0: a blessing and specifically the power of the spoken blessing and uh, we need to realize how important and we've talked about this and I've I kind of get off the subject a little bit but uh, your words are very important and we gave you the scripture in Proverbs 18 21 that says words kill words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. So you can choose to speak poison-filled words or your words can be fruit-bearing words that encourage others. In First Peter 3, we read this. It says, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you, no exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. Everyone say bless. Bless. Instead, bless that your jaw, and that's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing, and you'll also get a blessing. That's a message translation. We said last week um, that we're living in the last days, of course, and because of that, there are going. There's going to be. Well, there is. It's not future tense. It's happening now. Is there strife in the streets? Is there rebellion, lawlessness? Of course there is. And so tensions are high. And and uh, you know people will, instead of responding to you with kindness, especially in the world, they're going to react, and they're going to say things. Romans 12, verse 14, are here, let me give you the, the, the scripture in Luke. It says, the climate of relationships in the last days, it says, the love of people will grow cold, there'll be hatred and betrayal, and all of it will be rooted in offense. So people, we're going to have to really be careful that we don't allow our hearts to be easily offended. And that's going to take some work. Because if you allow your heart to be offended, if you allow yourself to become embittered, your heart will grow hard. Amen. Romans twelve fourteen says, bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Well, you might, you might say, well, pastor, I don't say anything bad about any, anybody. But maybe you're not opening your mouth. If I could read your mind. Don't look at me like that because all of you have been in that position. Well, I never said anything bad or evil or wicked. Did you think it? Yeah. Well, do you think God just doesn't see that? He knows every thought we think. Romans twelve fourteen. bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. We should only speak good words about those who wish to bring harm to us. A decision to bless and not curse will cause a release of God's power in the realm of the Spirit. A decision to bless instead of cursing others will release power in the realm of the Spirit. My words are spirit and they are life. Amen? We, should, we said also that we should receive others like Jesus received us. We must learn to forgive instantly, forgive instantly, forgive instantly and overlook the faults of others. Is there anyone here that has any faults or is it just me? Am I the only one that has three, 400 faults? Anybody with faults, raise your hand. Anybody know anybody else with faults? Well, just just be careful. I was guess where I was this week. Guess, any guesses where I had an experience? What? No, no roundabout. What's the next one? Home? No, well, I have experiences there every day. No. No, I don't go to Dairy Queen. No. Who? I heard it. McDon Who said McDonald? at mcdonald's and i i go and get my senior coffee i'm a creature of habit every day i just pull out and say it's me and they give me my senior coffee so i went around and and to get my coffee and it first thing happened i was there ready to pull and there's two stalls ready to and it was my turn and some guy whipped in right ahead of me i mean blatant disregard for me this is how i started my day and you know what i did i smiled and i went like this meaning go ahead so i let him go ahead so i had no i instead of i got too many people so i, I decided i go around again so i went around and <clears throat> There was a parking stall, and I thought, no, I'm going to skip it. I'll just go back to the drive-thru. And I went to turn to go to the drive-thru, and they were doing work, and I couldn't get through, which meant I had to go back on 13th Street, which really would have fouled me up. I would have had to have gone way around, through, and back, whatever. So I decided, no, there's a parking place, so I'm going to just back up. And no sooner had I stopped, a woman laid on her horn. Not just beep. do you think i smiled after the first experience i flunked the test i rolled the window down i didn't say anything i'm so glad i didn't say anything but i went like this to her she saw i just made it like this I pulled in and she pulled out and she was out of state. And I said, Good riddance. Don't ever come back to this McDonald's again. See, this is how God has developed me. You think I'm obsessive compulsive because I have to have my coffee every day at the same time and then my Casey's, do it? But it's God working in me, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. It's developing the character in me. You ought to try it. Look at Genesis 41. We didn't expect you guys. I thought maybe you'd be leaving, but we had a celebration service for their son Jacob yesterday. And uh, I got, uh, while you're turning, I got to share this because this was a remarkable thing, I think. It's a little thing because my God is a God of little things. And we got out to the, the cemetery way over by Clearwater. Never thought I'd get there. Joyce said, do you, you think you get? I thought oh my God, how, long, how far is this? We're going farther south and south, but we got there. And we got all done, and there was a bumblebee. And they were looking at the flowers, and they said, oh, look, there's a bumblebee. And Don and looked at me, and she says, we called Jacob Jacobbee because he loved bumblebees and didn't you put a uh what did you put into the casket a a bumblebee. a bumblebee and would you believe that bumblebee was on that coffin the whole time people were milling around talking after the service had ended i thought that's pretty cool that's that's my god i had to share with that a little a little something lighter and joyful than the coffee experience so Now you're ready for Genesis 41. I want to talk to you just a few minutes about the history of blessing, and we'll get through this, and and, uh, and I want to read something from the book that I'm studying. This is in Genesis 41, and look at verse 50. Genesis 41, verse 50. It says, And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, and it says, Joseph called the first name of the firstborn, what? Manasseh. Which means what? Making forgetful. Everyone say forget. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my, in all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. What's that mean? Fruitful. Everyone say fruitful. In the land of, of my affliction. Two sons were born to Joseph while he was in Egypt. Manasseh, making forgetful. Joseph said, for God has made me forget all my toil in my father's house. And, of course, the second son he named Ephraim, fruitfulness. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, Joseph gave his sons very significant names. And that's why names are important. All right? He desired to forget all the pain. Had he experienced some pain? Oh, my. Yes, he had. He desired to forget all the pain and misery that he endured in his father's house, place it in his past, and bear fruit in his his future. You know, there's a scripture in, in the New Testament that says we're to forget those things that are behind. I want you to realize today that you, you and I need to just kind of forget some painful things. A lot of us have experienced, you know, bad relationships and circumstances that would, which, you know, maybe brought discouragement. We're going to have to forget those things and be future-focused. Focus on what's ahead. And that's hard sometimes when everything going on around you in your work environment at home or things that you're experiencing at McDonald's, these things can make it difficult. Steve's shaking his head. He understands. He's relating with me. We're going to have to forget because I want you to understand there's a fruitful future for God's people. Yes, maybe you've had some some things you've gone through, but God's future for for us, you know, is, is bright. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord of hosts, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future, to give you a future, to give you a future of hope and an expected end. That's our God. So if you're here today, quit feeling sorry for yourself. and know that you serve a God that loves you, even though you make mistakes, He forgives you, forget about it and go on. That's our God. And this blessing that Joseph gave for Ephraim and Manasseh, this blessing has been spoken over the Jewish people for generations. So basically, you know, he's saying, forget your past, your future is going to be fruitful. Now, how, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to speak over your kid, your children, your grandchildren? Forget the past. Yeah, I know you made mistakes. You screwed up. We all have. But just forget, ask God to forgive you. Go on and bear fruit. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. So God has ordained for us to be fruitful. He wants us to bear fruit. So that's a wonderful blessing. That's why Joseph gave him, gave those You know, his two sons, his sons, very significant names. Look at Genesis 48. Let me read a, uh, a couple passages of Scripture here. Let's let's read Genesis 48, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Verse 12, it says, So Joseph brought them from beside his knees, and he bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left hand, Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them Near him. And then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and let my name be named upon them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, and it displeased him. That's why he wasn't the firstborn. So he took hold of his father's hand and removed it from Ephraim's hand to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know he also shall become a people and he also shall be great, but truly his younger brothers shall be greater than he and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day saying, By you, Israel, by you, Israel, will bless, saying, May God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. So there was a blessing here. It didn't go quite the way he wanted it to, but he knew who was going to be the one that was going to be fruitful, let me read this um, to you, and and this is from the author, and, and uh, this is an astute comment. It says, "Could it be then that giving and receiving verbal blessing is God's way for His people to counteract hell's counsels and reverse the flow of iniquity from generation to generation?" Could it also be God's way of bringing wholeness, completion, and healing to those who never received a spoken blessing from those who should have blessed them? I believe so, he said. I'm convinced that throughout redemptive history, God has ordained that the verbal blessing, everyone say verbal blessing, be the key passageway that counters the effects of the curse of sin caused by by the fall. So you need to understand, I need to understand how how important it is to speak blessings over the next generation. There are people here today that come from different backgrounds, would you agree? Is there anybody here that has come from dysfunctional backgrounds? Let me see your hand. That's the whole church. (laughs) Did you raise your hand, Kenneth? No, you don't know. Okay. Well, talk to Brad later. He'll bring counsel to you. Some of you, how many of you grew up in a single household with a single parent? How many no parents, basically on the streets on your own? Everybody here had parents, pretty much. Okay. How many adopted? One. Kathy and I were both blessed, we were blessed are, to be raised by a generation that that understood a good work ethic, and we both had good parents, good home lives, and, and, and we, as we look back, especially as I got older, I, I began to realize a lot of dysfunction in my parents' behavior that when I was young, I didn't recognize, but now I, as I grow older, I recognize there's some things that they did, and And how they responded and reacted was different. But uh, I'll give you a spiritual truth here. Because, now listen, blessings determine your identity. Blessings determine your identity. Verbal blessings and affirmation, and this is the author, verbal blessing and affirmations are emotional building blocks that that are vital for personal growth and development. So, do you think you're you blessing your children will help them? Help them grow? Sure, it will. Do you think blessing your children will prepare them for the days ahead? Yes proverbs fifteen twenty three a man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season how good it is proverbs twenty five eleven a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver proverbs twelve twenty five anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. How many of you like a good word I'm going to read to you this this story this is a powerful story because we're talking about how the Jewish people understood the power of blessing, the power of speaking a, a good word over their, their children, their grandchildren. <clears throat> he says, the door closed behind me with a thud of finality. It was another cold, gray January day in the city of Chicago, and I'd been called to the Northside Juvenile Detention Center by a worried mother. She'd attended our Sunday morning service just the day before and had given her life to Jesus. She was a Jewish woman in her middle 50s who who still bore the numbers on her forearm from the Nazi death camp Auschwitz, having been taken there from Warsaw, Poland as a young girl. She also bore the emotional scars of a Holocaust survivor. Now, once again, she faced barbed wire and prison doors, this time from the outside, She'd asked that her 13-year-old daughter, Leah, be incarcerated after her third runaway attempt, or Leah, I should say. The mother told me that Leah's young heart was incapable of forming any kind of emotional bond or loving relationship because of the years of rejection and physical abuse she'd suffered from her now absent Gentile father. As I followed the female security guard through long corridors of locked doors, I wondered what I would face when I met Leah for the first time. Would she be hard and cold? Would I be an unwelcomed intruder to her now antiseptic world of painted white concrete walls, gray blankets, and the smell of industrial disinfectant? Would she give me eye contact or would she regard me as just another likely candidate for the long list of men who had taken advantage of her. We rounded the corner to the visitation room, and time stood still for a moment. Leah sat alone in the corner of the empty room. Her back was toward the door, and she faced the wall of windows, watching the quiet parking lot and the lightly falling snow. Her hair was bleached blonde, a trademark of the hard-driving punk rock of the 1980s. In which we lived. I I wasn't a part of that. I was from the 70s. I approached cautiously. With every step I asked the Lord for words to speak to this despairing young girl. And when I reached the corner of the visitation room I spoke her name. Leah. What happened next will be forever recorded in my memory. When I called Leah's name she was not startled. She had no feeling left for fear. Her head turned gradually toward me as if the gears of a machine were slowly turning. And what I saw when her face, shrouded by her long dead white hair, came into view will forever haunt me. To my surprise, I did not see a cold, hardened heart. Instead, I found myself looking into sunken, haunted eyes that were pleading. What about me? Won't someone, God or the devil, care about me too? Can't someone, someone on earth, someone in heaven or in hell, bless me too? What I learned from this encounter with two survivors of two different kinds of holocausts, is that every person who lacks a father's blessing is something like Leah. If someone could sit in the empty visitation rooms of our hearts and we slowly mechanically turned our faces toward that one, we would, he would see the same empty eyes. He would find the same desperate souls hoping for some visitor, any visitor, who will carry a word of blessing. There are multitudes in our generation. And multitudes upon multitudes behind crying out, won't someone, anyone bless me too. Do you understand that? Relate to that. Are you know somebody like that. Maybe you know a young person like that. It's has no home life, amen, you know I realize, boys, Caleb and Micah, that I embarrass you at times. I went the other day and getting ready to leave the house, and Daryl, he pull your pants down, pull your you're too they're too high, it's either this or. Hair coming out of my shirt. Or I don't have enough hair here. Your parents are older. I'm sorry. It took us a while to get you here. We got you here. But at least you got a mother and a father. Not perfect. You don't need to agree with that so readily. We're not perfect. But you got a mom and dad that loves you, that has your back, and you got people that have your back. And so if you don't have anything to be thankful for, when you lay your head down on your pillow, you thank God you got parents that care because there are a lot of Leahs out there and a lot of young people out there that don't have that. You started your life with a blessing. You were dedicated to the Lord. You were dedicated to the Lord. Your mom and dad probably weren't. And that gets the ball rolling. You started a lot of your kids dedicating your... I love baby dedications. It's my favorite thing to do. Because I hold that child up. And I speak blessings. If you're not speaking blessings over your children, start doing it. If your kids, your children aren't speaking blessings over their children, I don't care, Grandma and Grandpa, you do it. Because God's Word will not return void or empty. God watches over his word. Your blessing that you speak over that child. And it will come to pass. Look at Genesis 25. I might not get through all this, but. Genesis chapter 25 and verse 21. It says, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. You know, i got to stop here and tell you this. You think today's society is dysfunctional? Read the Old Testament. It's about as dysfunctional as you can get. It says, but the children struggled together within her, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? And so she went to inquire of the Lord, smart woman. She was a sh- smart woman and a shrewd woman. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. <clears throat> so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. And they called his name Esau. And afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. <laughs> so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And so the boys grew. Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. Excuse me. But Jacob was what? A mild man. All right? Dwelling in tents. Opposites, would you say? And now listen, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebecca loved Jacob. Well, they had parents, but what did you say? Who did Isaac really love? Yeah. And who did Rebecca love? Jacob. All right. Do you think there was some sibling rivalry? Of course. Jacob missed his father's best blessing by only a few seconds. Had a hold of his heel. He grew up desperate for his father's attention and blessing. But he was disqualified by his birth order, and a double portion would go to Esau. Now, how many of you know the story? What did Mama do? Shrewd old Rebecca had it all figured out. She said, It'll be all right, son. So there was a deceitful plan in Genesis 25, verse 29. Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I'm weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Wow. His flesh, his desire to eat was greater than his birthright. That's a, this, The flesh is a strong, strong thing. And if you're not strong in spirit, your flesh shall take over. And Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. And he ate and drank arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now look over at chapter 27. Where Isaac blesses Jacob. And look at verse 19. I'm kind of skipping around here because I don't want to read all the scripture for the sake of time here. Genesis twenty seven, nineteen. And Jacob said to his father, Do you remember what happened? Rebekah had him put on the hides, the furs, and so he could deceive his father in thinking that he was Esau. Why? So he could get the blessing. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done just as you told me. Please arise, let us eat of my game that your soul may be that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. And Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you're really my son Esau or not. And so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but his hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled of the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Okay, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth, plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Wow, was that a blessing? He thought he was giving it to his firstborn. All right. Then we go on and, and, and we see just like Leah who said, isn't there anyone here to bless me? In Genesis here in 27, let's go on in verse 30. It says, now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, that Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father. Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. And he also made the savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise, let us eat of his son's Eat of my son's game that your my soul may bless, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, "Who are you?" And he said, "I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau." And Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, "Who? Where's the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it already before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, he shall be, be he shall be blessed." And when Esau heard the words of his father, now listen he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. The cry of every person's heart in our generation, any generation, is, Lord, bless me too is there not someone that will bless me? Yeah, Esau blew it. He sold his birthright and was taken advantage of by his brother. And it was too late. It's not too late to start speaking blessings over the next generation. Do you hear me? I'll close with this. <clears throat> he says... The unfathomable tragedy in Leah's story is that it is not unique. There are millions of Leas who have been crippled by receiving verbal abuse from a parent or caregiver. This cursing takes two forms. One is the destruction of verbal assault. When a person hears words such as, you're worthless... It's only a matter of time before she begins to believe them. The other is the devastating lack of speech altogether, which also carries deadly consequences for one's identity and destiny. In other words, if you don't say anything, you're affecting your child's destiny. If you don't speak over your children, you don't speak over your grandchildren, you are affecting their destiny. When a person never receives affirmation, never hears reassuring or positive words like I love you or I'm proud of you, or even words of simple encouragement like you can do it, his inner confidence slips away in the silence and the void fills with feelings of worthlessness. Now listen, if you're a here parent today and you're doing that, God bless you. If you're a grandparent and you're doing it today, God bless you. But if you're not doing it, you need to start doing it. He says, Andrew Vakas, an attorney who's committed his life to protecting children from abuse, writes this about emotional abuse. Emotional abuse threatens to become a national illness. The emotional abuse of children can lead in adulthood to addiction, rage, a severely damaged sense of self and. And an inability to truly bond with others. Of all the forms of child abuse, emotional abuse may be the cruelest and longest lasting of all. Emotional abuse is the systematic diminishment of another. It is designed to reduce a child's self-concept to the point where the victim considers himself unworthy. Unworthy of respect. Unworthy of friendship. Unworthy of natural birthright of all children. Love and protection. Emotional abuse... It can be as deliberate as a gunshot. You're fat, you're stupid, you're ugly. Emotional abuse can be active. You'll never be the success your brother was. I'm ashamed you're my son. Emotional abuse conditions the child to expect abuse in later life. Emotional abuse is a time bomb, but its effects are rarely visible because the emotionally abused tend to implode, turning the anger against themselves. The gist of what happened to Leah was that her identity was defiled. Her father's silent rejection, punctuated by destructive tirades, had left her drinking from the wellspring of shame. Once our identity is cursed, shame becomes the basis of our existence. The filter through which every thought and emotion is processed. Boy, isn't that so. Our view of others and our concept of the future is radically altered and contorted by this filter of shame. Saying, I made a mistake is a, is healthy and comes from a well-balanced introspection. But shame takes one beyond, I made a mistake, to the abyss of, I am a mistake. You see the difference? Shame is a feeling of being defective, of being ineffective of being infected and quarantined with a rare disease that has no cure. A person who lives in shame ultimately concludes that she's a human humpty dumpty, that all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot put back together again. A person whose identity has been cursed will live either under the banner of extreme worthlessness or under the banner of artificial independence and self-sufficiency. As you read these words, do you have a sense of identification? Do you think that This might apply to you. See if you consistently experience any of these emotions and behaviors. Now, I'm going to read these to you, and and don't leave here thinking, oh, I'm really a case, because all of us can find something here, but that doesn't mean that there's no hope, okay? That doesn't mean we all deal with issues. He says, Here's some emotions and behaviors. Worthlessness, anger when circumstances are out of control, fear of emotion, fear of experiencing feelings, fear of losing control, difficulty saying no, fear of trying new things, fear of failure or failing, dependence, codependence, walking in reluctant responsibility, walking in false responsibility, frequent depression, compulsive sin or addiction, need to succeed in order to be accepted, procrastination, independence, see I'm going on it. Does that any of that fit anybody here? Independent self-sufficiency, isolation, difficulty making close friends, avoidance of getting the position of need or dependence, difficulty asking for a favor or for help. A better giver than receiver. Fear of discomfort being in a small group without being the leader. Discomfort being in a small group <laughs> Feeling of being tolerated rather than chosen, having been a recipient. Feeling a need of to repay restlessness, compulsion, drawn to schemes to make money, dear one, the author says, if you identify with any of these descriptions, your experiences may be in some measure like Leah. Take heart and be encouraged, because he says in the coming chapters that you. He says because we will discover in the coming chapters that you do not have to maneuver circumstances like Jacob in order to receive blessing. Aren't you glad? You don't earn your way with the Father. Once you receive Jesus Christ, you are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High God. And I'll end this. He says, this is so good. In fact, you have always been seated at the head of the table. Only you did not So, no matter where you've come from, what you've experienced, what your past is, whether you were blessed, whether you were not blessed, whether you had a parent or did not have a parent or a caregiver, once you're born again and you receive Jesus Christ, you have a heavenly father. You are part of the kingdom of God. You are sons of the Most High God. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So don't leave here today thinking, oh, I didn't get, I wasn't dedicated. I better see a psychiatrist. I've got some issues to deal with. Get past the issues. Get in the Word. What's the Word say about you? Yes, you screwed up. Any parent here that has not screwed up, uh, it's just, do you see this? There's only one hand up. You people need help. Any parent here that has ever made a mistake, thank you, Dan. We've all, well, get past that. Start. St- you know, make a change. Speak the blessings. Amen.